Welcome to episode 27 of the Harry Potter Lexicon podcast. Uh, my name is Steve Vanderark, and I'm the creator and editor-in-chief of the Harry Potter Lexicon website. And I'm Nick Moline, the Lexicon's tech wizard. I make things work. Yes, you do. And uh, uh, we're just going to chat a little bit. We've I, Nick and I, it's funny, we were talking today about what we were going to talk about on this podcast, and we came up with a number of ideas. His first idea was, I think, the best one, which we'll get to in a little bit. Um, but I'm going to save that, because first, before we do that, let's talk a little bit about what is new with the Lexicon website, besides the whole website, of course. Although, I guess maybe we can't call it that new anymore, since it's like six months old now, right? It's a year old. Well, but since we went live, it was November. I thought we went live in July for some reason. Oh, okay. Well, we went, we went, it doesn't matter. We went sort of beta (laughs) for a while, but but we still had both sites, which is kind of what I want to say, because we still actually do still have both sites. One of them is, you know, the, the, the current site. The other one, instead of www, starts with legacy.hp-lexicon.org, and that is still actually around. And that's kind of been uh, a bit of a problem. Not a problem, but... Um, the, well, the reason that it's still something that we deal with is because the lexicon is Massive. 17 years old. <laughs> yeah, and, and 17 years old, which means that we've got 17 years' worth of links in from everything from MuggleNet to websites all over the world that have links that go to different pages... Um, uh, uh, which which are the old pages, the old website, and everything doesn't ha- translate, you know, page for page over to the new site. I mean, not at all, because the structure is totally different. And so you can't just go by, um, you know, if it, if if it, if it was such and such wizard, such and such before, it's not wizard such and such anymore now. Which was fine because what we did for and boy, when did we actually start working on this? Was this like four years ago now? It was a long time. It's, it's been a- it has been a long time that Nick and I have been actually working on creating that new site. Well, what happened was over the last couple of it years, was about, it was about it was about six I, months after Azcatraz. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I'm not even sure when Azcatraz was, but that was sometime in you know prehistoric times. But um. When we actually started getting the editors involved, we started just basically copying the information from the old site into the new site, and that's what we did. And uh, starting with Jeannie, Jeannie and I were working together. At first, of course, I did it by myself, but then Jeannie came on board, and she and I were working. And, and what was interesting is when she came on board, it was a big eye-opener because then see, having somebody else see it and look at it and try to deal with what, you know, what we thought was a perfectly logical system was kind of a big shock because in many cases it wasn't as logical as we thought. And uh, so a lot of fixing and so had to happen behind the scenes once we actually had real other people besides me and Nick involved. And the the reason I'm telling you this is because we spent so much time uh, copying material from the old website into the new website that we ended up with basically everything from the old site in the new site and of course in the process updated it interconnected it um in some cases uh uh, rewrote it entirely other cases we could just copy it as is and that's basically what happened but we are at a point where there are certain pieces of the old site which just can't seem to find their way over for one reason or another an example is the timelines which you know nick you and i've talked about quite a bit 
and is still that thorn in our side, if you will, of uh, how we're going to get that to work. And, and uh, what is what is it that makes it so hard? Uh, well, there's, the biggest thing right now is, if I can, how do I put this? It's a matter of a data format that's easy for the editors to put stuff in is not necessarily a good data format for bringing it back out and rendering it. Uh, right. Um, and we had this conversation, you know, the other day where I said, where you said, well, just select everything that has this year. And I'm like, that year is not actually a selectable field. Uh, and <laughs> uh, it's well, a textual, well, on top of it's the, a label, you know, I mean, it's, there's right. no. Well, well, but, but part of the problem, too, is the fact that an event in a fictional universe doesn't always have a year. Right. Or doesn't always have a month, or doesn't always have a, a day, or or whatever. I mean, things can be very general, like things happen in the spring, or you know, in, right. and something might happen in in 1942, and you have to sequence that with something that happened in 1942 in July, and you also have to sequence it with something, you know, which you don't know the year, but you know the date, and it, it gets really complex real yeah. fast. And, because it, and, only and gets, I, it only gets worse when you have multiple overlapping timelines from uh, when you start adding time travel into the mix. Uh. Yeah, well, no, we, nobody would be silly enough to add time travel to, you know, I mean, it happened once in, in uh, Prisoner of Azkaban, but certainly nobody would include a canon story where people traveled back in time multiple times. That would be insane. Right. <laughs> Anyway, so the point being that the timeline is, has not come over, but there are some other things too. The big calendars, day by day calendars, those things haven't come over. There were a couple other things though that we didn't bring over. Uh, for example, we used to have pages that were talking about like the locations where they filmed uh, in the first movie, mm-hmm. because when the first movie came out, there was only one movie, and we were all very excited about it. And uh, we have something called the Muggle Encyclopedia, which is a whole alphabetical listing of all the the real life people and places which are associated with the Harry Potter series but that is like stuck in about 2005 right or 2004 and so if we were going to bring that over we would have to put a whole bunch of time and effort into updating it and it would like triple in size and it just frankly is not worth the effort because it's kind of not that there's anything wrong with that information it's just not what the lexicon's focus is. It's not our mission. It'd be better, to, to better bring... suited as a sister site or something like that. Right, exactly. And so those are the things which are, we're just not going to bring over. But aside from that, pretty much everything right. from the old site is now on the new site. Um, so that's pretty exciting to me, is that we finally have gotten to that point where mm-hmm. I can just look at this category. Okay, yeah, we don't have the timelines yet. Yes, we don't have the Muggle Encyclopedia. That's not going to come over. No, we're not going to bring over the film location information. So it's kind of it feels a little bit like we're almost to that point of saying, okay, it's we can we can turn off the switch on the old site and just make all the redirects go to the new site. So that that's kind of exciting, I think. Yeah. Kind it's no kind longer a, no longer the new and the old. It's the lexicon. That's right, and 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 I I we I don't know. Nick and I both track very carefully all the the hits that happen on the old site just to kind of find out where where those things are coming from. And and for a while we were getting a whole bunch out of Google searches because Google right. was 
erroneously sending people to the old site. So we fixed a lot of that stuff. So anyway, that's about everything I can say that's new for the lexicon. I don't know if you can think of anything else, but that's what I've been putting a lot of time into. I mean, there's that and there's bug fixes. We got more stuff coming. Um, you know, we were we were having a conversation earlier today about how to handle a certain type of page that um, I think I've got an idea and I think you've got an idea and we've come up with something to make them work. But uh, yeah. Yeah, that's what that's what Nick and I do. We have these conversations which most people would find extremely boring, but it's, it <laughs> we, is, we, we, it, we do it them is. over at Brahms over an ice cream Sunday. We'll sit there and talk about things. You can see the people around us at the ice cream shop kind of going, "Who are those weird people? Why are they talking in that weird way?" <laughs> it's it's funny yeah. because it's also it's like the quintessential conversation between a librarian and a programmer, and you got to. <laughs> <laughs> Like, there are a lot of, you know, I have to deal with this at my work, too. We we, we have a couple of sites uh, that we did with work, at work that we did with a librarian, um, a specific type of librarian called a law librarian, uh, but they're a librarian. And, boy, you get the engineer talking to the librarian, and there will be fights. I mean, it's just... <laughs> And and we librarians are generally correct, you know. We can't help it that you're intransigent, but you know. <laughs> and we pro- and we programmers are very correct because we everything's everything is uh, methodical, mathematical, and logical. <laughs> and when it comes right down to it, if you want it on the web, you get to be right. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so that's what's new, uh, and uh, with the lexicon, uh, Wizarding World new. Just just past the 20th anniversary of the release of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. So the 20th anniversary of the Harry Potter series. It's kind of hard to believe. In one sense, it does seem like forever ago. But in another sense, it seems like, wow, I can't, I can't quite believe that there was a time when Harry Potter didn't exist. Yeah, at least the, in... in babies born the year that Harry Potter came out are adults now. Yeah, yeah. Right. That's 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 kind of mind-boggling to me. It <laughs> is. It is. And and I don't know when, when we've talked about this before, but I mean, I was I came on board as a Harry Potter fan in 1998, the year after. So, I've been a Harry Potter fan now for 19 years. That's pretty amazing. I'm a l- yeah. I'm a little bit less. I'm 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 behind you. But we've had Yeah. That, but, yeah. yeah. But still, that's 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 quite something to think of. Uh, and there's been a lot of stuff online. It's been fun on Facebook. You type Harry Potter, and a little wand shows up and waves around and sets off sparks. That's and, pretty cool. And finally, when I mention Ravenclaw, it's properly color coded. Uh, you know, that's very important for me when I'm on Facebook. <laughs> really, I hadn't really no. I, I I don't do it enough to notice the color coding. I'll have to go back and click on a few of those just to find out. Well, like if but, you well, you type that one line where you put in all four in the uh-huh. in, a, in a post, and you know they were all the four they were the four colors, you know, because each it, it, it color codes each of those terms. Uh, oh, you know, so Ravenclaw is blue and Hufflepuff. Is oh, right, yellow. sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I guess I did, did notice that. Yeah. So and so anyway, twentieth anniversary is a big deal. Uh, the the Harry Potter bo- uh, book club started up on Pottermore. I haven't looked I, at it yet. Is have you? Well, it's all on, happening on Twitter. I understand. I did yeah, sign up for it, weird. but I, I haven't had a chance to actually do anything with it. I had a, a fan that wrote me and was kind of disappointed because they were hoping that that meant that all the uh, the old Pottermore moments were coming back, and they were actually going to let us explore the books together that way. But uh, 
sadly, no, that's not the case. But it's, so, anyways. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because you know the the Pottermore moments. Their their reason why they said they were getting rid of those is really kind of the same reason we have trouble bringing over the day-by-day calendars and stuff like that. And it's all about mobile, yeah. right? You know, the, yes. uh, you know it's, as more time goes by, and even us, if you look at our, uh, at our traffic, a significant right. portion of the traffic to the lexicon is mobile. Pretty um, close to 50%. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, if we bring over things like the day-by-day calendars, they just don't render on mobile in their current form. No. Um, and so. that's that's a problem. We were even talking about that looking back at way back when. It's like sounds like way back in the olden days. But the lexicon used to have a section called the Flu Network page, mm-hmm. which was basically a, a newsletter. And we would publish this once a month. Uh, Bell Hobbs was the editor of it. And every month it would have, I mean, it had recipes. It had puzzles and games and um News up to you know news for that month, things that were happening in the Harry Potter universe, all that kind of stuff was going. On. And we had actually designed a really cool. I'd, I'd say we. I hadn't. Uh, I had done the basic design, and then uh, Makani, the artist, actually did the work. This beautiful, cool-looking would have been the the page for this thing, which was looked like a whole bunch of wizarding periodicals. You know, Transfiguration mm-hmm. Today, Quibbler, all just kind of scattered across a table. And you could click on them, and if you clicked on the quibbler, you would get some in- certain kind of information. If you clicked on, you know, each one of these things, Daily Profit was the news. There was an almanac laying there, and if you clicked on that, you'd get, you know, what happened this day in Harry Potter history kinds of stuff. And, I mean, we had this all planned out. We never actually implemented it for a number of reasons, but that would have basically been the same thing. It would have been like kind of like Joe's old site, the one with, you know, yeah. the desktop, that sort of a thing. And... Yeah, it's hard for me to imagine, but that's the old style website. That's you can't do that anymore, and because it's not usable on mobile, and mobile yeah. is is like I say, it's half of our traffic is coming to us on people on their phones, and so you know, and I kind of think, wow, why would you do that on your phone? Until I catch myself doing that on my phone, I, <laughs> I think, oh, I guess, I guess that up. would be why. Yeah. I pull up articles on the lexicon on my phone all the time, sure. or just generally search the web. I'm, I never thought I would, but yeah. I do it all the time. Well, part of it is the fact that, that our phones, I mean, my phone is, is a more powerful screen than the screens we were using back when we were doing the lexicon like that. I mean, my phone is my phone has a higher resolution screen. The only problem is yeah. not the resolution of the graphics. The problem it's is the size. It's, touch, it's the touch points. Yeah. Right. So anyway, uh, so that's kind of interesting too. Other stuff's been going on. Um, I, I understand this is something that I didn't look into much. A casting call, yeah, for the next film. So they put out a, an open casting call for a for teenage characters in this new in the next next Fantastic Beast movie, and they're asking specifically for a teenage Newt, a teenage Lita Lestrange. A teenage mm-hmm. Gellert Grindelwald, uh, oh, age, okay. age 16, I believe, or 17, age 17. A teenage Albus Dumbledore, age 16. And somebody named Sebastian, uh, who we know absolutely okay, nothing so, about. But it, it's very specific, so, so, these, right. these five people, right? And 
the thing I find, of course, interesting about that is, well, Newt and Lita were not teenagers at the same time as Gellart and Albus. No, no, so, because the uh, Albus that, that's right around um, nineteen hundred. Right. I'd have to. I don't have to pull up the timeline. I don't have it in front of me. But um, that would be right around nineteen hundred. That that Dumbledore and Grindelwald were like hanging out in Godric's Hollow, and then but but when was Newt born? Was he born in nineteen hundred? Uh, I think he's yeah something like that. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd have to again. Up. I don't have the. I don't. Yeah, you pull it up because <laughs> my computer's old and crotchety and would probably crash my system if I tried to do it. But yeah, pull up that because there's a, a an essay I wrote for the Lexicon which is that, comparing the timelines. That was a great essay. That's a, thank you, thank you. That was, that, that'll get. That was one of my favorites. I think. Yeah, was, sometimes I sometimes I hit a home run. That was a pretty good one. So if you fo- pull that one up, it'll it'll give the list of all of the dates, uh, f- right from starting with Dumbledore's birth all the way through, you know, nineteen forty-five and right. beyond. So, so, but so Dumbledore, so, so, so Ariana, Dumb- let's see here. Dumbledore was born in eighteen eighty-nine or eighteen eighty-eight. Stop. Dumbledore was born in eighteen eighty-one. Grindelwald was born in eighteen eighty-three. Okay. Um, Dumbledore and Grindelwald meet in 1899. Okay. Uh, so at that point, they're going to be. That's so that's Newt's commander was two. <laughs> okay, so clearly there's going to be two stories going on. Then there's going to be the exactly. teenage Grindelwald story, and there's going to be the teenage Newt and uh, Lita Lestrange at Hogwarts story, apparently. Right. Which from now now do we know? That uh, the reason that Newt was expelled or almost expelled, depending on what semi-canonical facts you've uncovered, um, was because of a uh, something that Lita actually did, and Newt kind of took the blame for. Right. And so, um, if that would be the story that would be happening there, okay. Because well, no, it makes sense because we already have a Dumbledore for. Of the Newt at Hogwarts era, right? That's true right. law. So, yeah. So clearly, we've got two stories going to be happening, or two two little ba- flashbacky kinds of things going to be happening. Mm-hmm. So, so, all right, very cool. Okay, I don't know who Sebastian is, but we don't know clearly. who Sebastian is, but clearly important. I, <laughs> not as important <laughs> as the other ones, but yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. you want to hear the the going theory going around? Because of course, naturally, once you put this stuff up, people have to theorize. Really? And but who who would have thought? I don't so, know. I've never heard of such a thing. So the going theory, because there were these five names specifically, and only these five names as yeah. people that they were doing a casting call for, uh-huh. right? Meaning anybody else is an extra, right? Uh huh. So or or their casting director, right? You know, because I mean they didn't put out an open casting call for Jude Law either, but he's hardly going to be an extra, right? No, of course. That, but I mean for the for whatever these segments are that we need these people, right? Right. So the going theory is that Sebastian was involved with perhaps the person who was hurt by the incident. So, oh, sure. Right, because okay. somebody was hurt. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah, because it, thre- it threatened the life of a student. Right. That was the, that so was so- the point. Somebody was hurt and it threatened the life, you know, it threatened the life of a student, so the going theory is that that's the Sebastian guy. Sebastian's okay. the one who is, whose life was threatened. Okay. Um, 
by a Jarvie. <laughs> yeah, they're not exactly that scary. No. <laughs> like, seriously, a Jarvie? What? <laughs> okay. All right, then. Considering <laughs> all of the creep, very scary I know. characters. I know. How about a Lethifold, you know? <laughs> None do something with a little bit of guts to it there. A Jarvie? What is it going to do? Talk you to death? But <laughs> anyway, so I'm looking forward. I, you know, it's funny. It, I've, I've kind of forgotten about, in a sense, not forgotten, but okay, Fantastic Beasts is done. I've watched the movie about 20 times, and I just sort of forgot about it until I noticed uh, some note somewhere says they're going to be filming in August. Well, they're going to have to soon. I know, but it's like, whoa, 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 they're really starting this. Oh, that's right. Okay, there's another going to be another movie. It's it, back when the Potter films were coming out. You know, I was watching every bit of news, everything that was you know would possibly come out. I just haven't been paying very close attention, I guess. And I don't. It's not because I don't really. Because I'm, I'm, I'm very very keen on the on the story, but I think it's because I'd read the books and I wondered how they were going to turn the story from the books into a film, and that was very very interesting to me. And the whole question of how much are they going to mess with canon, how much are they going to include, what are they going to you know, leave out, that kind of thing. But because we really don't know a whole lot about anything when it comes to the Fantastic Beasts movie, I don't have the same sort of you know, rampant curiosity. Mm-hmm. It's more like a okay, you you know, do what you're going to do, and then when it's ready, I'll, I'll I can't wait to see it. Kind of a feel, right? As a as opposed to oh, that's what the that's what the shell cottage is going to look like when you see a picture, you know, somebody got of a of the set on the beach, that kind of thing, you know. So anyway, okay. So what else? Oh, uh, the the Harry Potter history of magic. Uh, uh, thing where's that uh, at the British Museum is that I I know nothing about this what is this well there's a big okay and I and I'm saying the British Museum but I could be it could be the British Library which is just stupid of me for not having looked this up before I start talking about it but they are uh, there's this cr- uh, fancy uh, really amazingly cool uh, like display of all actual artifacts of witchcraft and magic and so through legend and lore and history all the way through, um, and uh, that's being put on in kind of in conjunction with uh, the Harry Potter 20th anniversary, so it's kind of got the Harry Potter stuff connected up to it, and I'm really kind of embarrassed that I don't remember exactly where this is, whether it's the museum or the library. I think it's actually the library. Library, I just Googled it here. Yeah, thank you for that, before I make a bigger fool of myself. Um, but well, And I know that, too, because I know where the British Library is. I lived in London. It was just there. But um, anyway, the the two books that are coming out to go along with it, this is what's getting me excited. And I don't, because I'm not, I, okay, number one, because they cost a lot of money. But number two, the the books that have to do with the films, because it's not canon, I mean, I find it fascinating. I find all the props and everything really, really cool. I mean, I was on the set when they were filming, and I remember looking at this stuff and just thinking how amazing it was. But because it's not canon, I don't, I don't, I don't have a, a, a this this need inside of me to make sure I own all this stuff and look at it real closely. I just think it's really, really cool. And since it's really expensive, these books about the films, I haven't bought any of them. But this. I just might, because if you look at the description, it says uh, it's the official book of the exhibition 
a unique collaboration between Bloomsbury and the curators of the British Library. Oh, it's right there. The exhibition will unveil rare books, manuscripts, and magical objects from the British Library's collection. But then also it says visitors can marvel at original drafts and drawings by J.K. Rowling and the Harry Potter illustrator Jim Kay, both on display for the first time. This book explores the amazing artifacts, manuscripts, original artwork, and curators' insights that make up the backbone of the exhibition. But the whole thing of that there could be new um, uh, stuff from, like, from the proverbial shoeboxes, you know, that Rowling has referred to from her notebooks that we've all been desperate to, to get a look at. I mean, you remember back on her original site, there were like, there's like a planning document for yeah. um, Order the Phoenix. Right. We have that in our in our collection, um, along with that page from Dragon Breeders for Pleasure and Profit. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's just there's stuff like this, which like original manuscripts of of, of Philosopher's Stone. So uh, there's there's all this stuff that she has was revealing on her original website, and that if even if there's, I realize there's a lot of other stuff there too, but this may be a chance to see some of that original stuff, and this may be a book I'm actually going to be buying. So it is a book you can buy. Yeah. Well, it's a book you can buy if you're in Britain. So hopefully the, it will be made available in the U.S. as well. I don't know. Um, somebody said that it's going to be available as an ebook, But this may be one I want to actually own the actual book. You know, I like yeah. ebooks just fine. But, boy, if it's going to have that kind of stuff. I mean, you look at... I, I mean, have you seen the Wizard Collection of DVDs? Yes. Okay. This is that, this is amazing. I mean, again, it's all film props and so, but they have like, uh, like like plans of Hogwarts Castle and, and 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 I'm talking about the sets and things here. But still, they have some amazing things in there, which I I would I would much rather be looking at those things for real than looking at them on a, on a screen. I, I know what you mean. I was just looking. So yesterday or no Tuesday, I was looking at. Uh, grabbing a uh, grabbing the book about Hamilton, the Hamilton uh, what's it called? You know what it is? It's like part history, part something about the play. Okay. Uh, yeah, you know. I'd like that. So i I grabbed the. I'm glad I grabbed the sample instead of just buying it on. I was going to buy it on Google Play, and I grabbed the sample and I started reading it. And I'm like, the formatting of this book wasn't designed to be read in an ebook format. You know, right. the background of most of the pages are photographs and stuff like that. It Oh and, yeah. And the book was square in shape. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, okay. I know exactly what you're talking about. And it was two columns, so you had to like if you're reading it on an ebook, you have to like pan around in order to get the f- full experience. And yeah, like this no. is not this is not designed for this medium. I need to go sure. buy the physical hardback book it's massive by the way it's like it's like two inches thick it's a huge book really yeah Um, well i'm a huge hamilton fan so that may be another one i need to look at but one thing at a time anyway the point being (laughs) i don't know how much these books are but it's described as a beautifully produced full color coffee table book which probably just means it's going to be very very expensive but uh this definitely is one that i'm going to be yeah, at. that yeah. I, I'm, I'm trying to find the place where you can buy the book. I'm like, where's the book? I want to buy it. 
Well, don't go to the British Museum because clearly I don't know what I'm talking about. Now, British, British Library. British, I'm on the British Library site. I don't see anything about a book. I only see well, something I know, about. I know the, it's there. The it's probably, I think it might be on Pottermore. You might have to look on Pottermore. Anyway, yeah. but don't do it now. Let's keep talking. Let's talk about. Oh, quick! Before we go on, let me just let me just throw out a little plug here. Uh, we talk about this every time, and I just want to say it again. We are. We would very, very, very much appreciate it if you would take a look at the up at the top on the Lexicon website where it says the Harry Potter Lexicon, upper left-hand corner. There's a little triangle. Click on that. We call that the Lexicon menu. And when you open that menu, you'll see the word support. And if you're thinking, oh boy, they want me to give them money, that, well, that would be nice, but that's not the point. The point here is that there are ways that you can support uh, the Lexicon website and help us to keep it ad-free. And one of the ways you can do that, uh, you can donate money using Patreon, of course, and that would be fantastic. We would love that. But you can also do a simple thing of, I mean, because let's face it, we all shop on Amazon. If you shop on Amazon, just use the link that's there as your as your launching off point to get into the Amazon website and then a percentage of what you buy will go to the lexicon and it doesn't cost you any more it's basically just we get a little what well, you might call it a referral fee and so that's a nice way if you can if you if you just use that little link it's a great way of supporting the lexicon and uh the helping us to keep the whole website uh ad free because if we ever get to that point, I don't know where I would stick ads on our beautiful pages. It would just break my heart to do that. But um, it does actually cost us money to run this thing. And, Boy, does uh, it. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we really would uh, appreciate uh, you giving that a, a look and seeing if there's a way that you can help us out. Um, let's... I, I, I said at the beginning, we're going to talk a little bit about... Uh, we, you and I were coming up with ideas... And one of the ideas that we came up with, this is your first idea, which I think is an absolutely hilarious comment, but it's very true. And I'm going to read it. It says, what kind of idiot would send their kids to a death trap like Hogwarts? So go. (laughs) It was your idea. You go. (laughs) It was kind of an off-the-wall comment. I mean, you had made a comment, and it's actually the next one, so I kind of was hoping we'd do this in opposite order, but that's okay. Uh, But... You were making a comment about Dumbledore, uh, and, you know, so I'll say that for a minute, but I was thinking... No, hey, go ahead. Go okay, ahead. so you're, so you're one, the second one here was, did Dumbledore set the whole thing up in Philosopher's Stone? Right. Right? <laughs> and uh-huh. so, and, and of course, the implication there is this guy, Albus Dumbledore, decides he is f- purposely fading, you know, putting Harry, uh, and often his friends... In harm's way, purposefully, uh-huh. right from the beginning, as an eleven-year-old. Yes. Yeah, so, and there's plenty of evidence to support that. So, yep. But as, and I would even argue, since we, since we're on this now, yeah. I would argue that the book doesn't really make sense any other way. It really doesn't. I I know exactly what you mean. However, I guess we have to just go with the fact that it was not written to be analyzed. <laughs> quite as carefully as we all analyze it it's just a story blah 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 but if you think about it there are so many things that happen in philosopher's stone which if you're like if you really step back and look at it when you're in the book it's so funny when you're in the book you don't notice right 
it's just it just feels like yes that makes sense sure uh huh keep going uh huh yeah right okay oh yeah they went and he Hagrid went and he got that little package out of that vault in Gringotts and it's like okay seriously if this is such an incredibly valuable thing why would you send Hagrid with Harry to yes, go just with by it, hand with Harry's the big deal here right yeah so but just I mean, like... I, I mean so he grabs this thing you know and Harry sees it and wonders why? what it is. <laughs> why? Because why don't you send somebody who can immediately turn around and apparate to Hogwarts? Right. Why do you send someone who's going to go galumphing about the countryside with this thing in his breast pocket along with moldy dog biscuits and who knows what else? What the world? That doesn't make sense. You know, but it does if you think, okay, step one, we've got to get Harry the idea that there's some big mysterious thing that he's going to be, you know, having to go get. Let's see, set... let's see if he has curiosity and let's see if he has his dad's uh, penchant see, for uh, See if he'll mischief. take the bait. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, why else give him the cloak, you know? Here, mm-hmm. use it well. Then, a little bit later, let's show him the mirror and how it works. Right, because if you read carefully, there actually is what 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 gets Harry to leave the mirror is he hears a sound. Mm-hmm. If you read in the book, it's as if he's being guided, he's being directed. And why does he end up in this where this mirror is? Wait a minute, isn't the mirror supposed to have the stone in it? Right. But apparently not. Apparently the mirror is up on the fourth floor or whatever. Wait a minute. Not, not during Christmas break. On Christmas break, we break it out. <laughs> but, I mean, but my point is that, think about it. So where's the stone? So if no the stone is not in the mirror, then where is it? Certainly not in Hagrid's pocket anymore. So where is the stone? Well, you think, well, it's down underneath, under, hidden under... Okay, but what, you mean that it was... Not in the mirror. It was just laying there on the floor. And then uh, when they set up all these traps and everything, and then after all the traps got done, you get down there to the bottom, and there would have been the stone just sitting there. But then after Christmas, after the the mirror got moved, then the mirror got moved down into the to, to the underground chamber, and he got put there, and then the stone got put into it. I mean, that, that doesn't seem, it doesn't seem logical. No. I mean, if I was going to hide something, seriously, if I was going to hide something and I wouldn't want anybody to know where it was, I wouldn't make a big, huge, elaborate bunch of traps and things and say, hey, nobody go over there, you're going to die. And, you know, I wouldn't do that. I would basically go, you know, put it in the garage underneath about 12 other things and in a box marked, you know, junk. I mean, nobody'd look there, nobody'd pay any attention. Or on a bookshelf? You know? Or on a bookshelf. Maybe one that would eat people. No, 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 no. But you know, <laughs> But you know what I mean? Is that it's just, it's it isn't logical. And so if he would do that, the only reason to be logical if he was trying to set up a difficult but not deadly set of you know things which are conveniently each you know geared toward the skills of a particular part of Harry's you know social group, and in the whole idea would see okay, let's see if they can handle this. You know, and at the very end, then the stone would be inside. Of, but I mean, is it really a philosopher's stone, or is it just a stone? You know what I mean? So Was it just, is it just a decoy? It's never, never there in the first place. No, there's never been. I mean, maybe there is a philosopher's stone, but you know, it's probably still in some vault in Gringotts. Well. So. Well, the vault, the Quirrell did break into that vault later that day. Uh-huh. Right. 
But see, then that brings up another whole question. If you've got Quirrell doing things like breaking into vaults of Gringotts, which, frankly, could not be that easy to do. I mean, we remember in Deathly Hallows, it was not easy to get into no. down there. Okay, so this is a major deal for him to get all the way down in there. So he makes it all the way in there, gets to the vault, opens the vault, apparently. Right. I mean, think about it. But at that point, it wasn't locked anymore. But But here's the point. How did anybody else know that it was there in this vault? I mean, what, did Dumbledore kind of, you know, just as a test, kind of put out some, yeah, I think I'll put that thing that I don't want to tell you what it is in some vault, and let's see, it's going to be vault number such and such, but I'm not telling anybody, and so how in the world did Quirrell know about it? I mean, it could be that it was, uh, that it was Flamel's family vault. Oh, I suppose that's possible. Right, and, and so, it could be that it's relatively well, maybe not purpose. Maybe most people wouldn't know it's Vault Seven Thirteen, but mm-hmm. you would know where his vault was, and that right. might have got might have become public knowledge that it was okay. That would make sense. Yeah. Okay. So then people would say, just like now, you're going to know. Yeah. Okay. That 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 one goblet of of you know fancy whatever that's owned by the such and such family. Yeah, they probably got that in their in their vault in Gringotts. Right. You know, yeah, okay. So, anyway, so anyway, so the, the point is that then there's this setup, and Harry, I mean, he's he he's goes after this, and Hagrid, is Hagrid part of the deal, kind of given clues? Is he smart enough to do that, or is he just kind of being used by Dumbledore? I think he's being used. I mean, that's... I, I don't believe Hagrid is smart enough... It's or, not smart not smart no, devious like, enough. He doesn't right. have he doesn't have the deviousness to his personality. Right, that's a better way to put it. He's not he would not do well in Slytherin. <laughs> no. No, he would not. <laughs> Dumbledore apparently would, but Yeah. You know what? That's that's true. Yeah. So, anyway, so that's kind of my whole uh, thing that I keep thinking about is that But but step back out of that. Honestly, if we now analyze these stories within an inch of their life, and we, you know, and we, and we treat them as if they were real events. And we do. Let's face it. I mean, that's we look at it as if we we, we as if these were real events, and we try to like it's like our whole timeline thing, you know, trying to work out. Okay, well, that must have been must have started. Okay, it was when the sun went down. Well, on that particular date, the sun went down at nine twenty. Therefore, it was dark at. Okay, Rowling did not go to that kind of trouble or anything like it in order to, when she wrote these books, especially the the earlier ones. You know, I think if, if you go into the later books, you know, she did a lot more a lot more thinking in those terms because she knew that fans were looking at what she had created in a lot more detail like that. But when she wrote that first one, it's it's it was written like I said, it's supposed to just seem like a really good story as you read it. You don't want to dig too deeply or think too hard about it. It just, it just is a really good story, right? Yeah. So no, it's. But but it, of course it was real. It all happened. Yeah, right. We were there. <laughs> we were all yeah. there together. And she says, <laughs> but okay. So then that goes goes back to the original question, which is what kind of idiot would send their kids to a death trap like Hogwarts. Right. So you've got a psychopath as the headmaster. 
<laughs> okay. Who purposefully puts children in in dangerous situations just yes. to see what happens. Uh, yeah. Oh, and, and, or if even if not, it's like, oh yeah, well we've got something that'll kill you on this third floor. Don't go there. Yeah, don't go to the third floor. <laughs> we have we've locked the door, but a first year with the Alohomora spell can unlock that sucker. So yeah, that's that's just yeah. Don't use Alohomora. Don't do that. You know, just yeah. don't go to this place where you will die a most painful death. But right, exactly. Or, why and, and would okay. that ever be a school thing? <laughs> yeah. and it's okay with me if the groundskeeper, uh, you know, for punishment when it was his, you know, Hagrid as the one who actually did wrong. With the dragon whole thing. Not, the kids, yeah, they were out of bed. Hagrid had a dragon. Okay? Yeah. So the kids get in trouble, and Hagrid gets to set their punishment, and he takes them into the Forbidden Forest in the middle of the night and splits up. Okay, well, seriously. Theoretically, nobody actually knew that, that Hagrid had a dragon, or at least nobody believed it. But, no, but the point is, what kind of person is Hagrid? These kids get in serious trouble trying to bail him out. I mean, yeah. they were basically going way above and beyond, just trying desperately to bail him out, right. you know? And what does he do? Nothing. Does he say, uh, it was my fault, I had a dragon? Is it, no, not a word, you know? He just snuffles and goes, <laughs> poor Norbert's gone. Yeah, Look what you just did. You just got these kids in serious trouble, and now you're going to drag them off? Now, to be fair, he probably thought going off into the Forbidden Forest was actually kind of a lark, and it was no big deal. you know. To, to Hagrid, it's not. Right. But, but even so, back to our original point, what kind of school? <laughs> and then, let's, let's, say, let's say you are trusting enough to send people to school the first year. All right. So we got mm-hmm. one year down. We've mm-hmm. had... You know, kids come back explain. You know, explaining how there's this floor where where you're told that if you go there, you will die painfully, and mm-hmm. you know, kids get sent into the forest on for punishment, and then there was this thing where Harry almost died in the end, and he was in the hospital for several days because and apparently fought with one of the professors and killed him. So. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know. All right, so they go out. They tell all the parents that, and it's like, all right, well, have a nice school year next year. Okay, but now to be fair, <laughs> yeah, this stuff didn't happen to everybody. Everybody else just had a fairly normal year. Yeah, but everybody got the warning not to go to the third floor. Right, but you know what I mean is that uh, Harry's Harry's things that happened to Harry were very unusual. All right, so so so, so second so second year comes along, <laughs> okay. and all right, we've got we've got kids being turned into statues all yes. around the, all around. Well, and and then they did want to close the school. Well, the eventually, did, yeah, eventually, eventually, it took it took most of the year. And once somebody gets put down into the into taken down to the chamber not pe- instead of being turned into a statue that's okay that's, that's that was the line that was where he crossed the line <laughs> this is where, oh okay that's solved all right we're back well, like, and then and then goes, don't even think about the main story just think about the fact that kids are allowed to play quidditch i mean right. getting hit hit in the head with you know iron bludgers oh right. that's just that's just normal well now, you could all you could go back to the fact that that wizards don't get seem to get injured quite to the same level that muggles do and so you know and and you got to figure all of, all of these parents of these kids all went to that school too they don't they think it's fine because that's all they know but you know it's there's it's just I mean, think about the fact that you know there's they're doing you got all these you know underage wizards trying out magic stuff mm-hmm. you know 
and accidents have people getting you know huge warts and boils all over their faces and you know swelling up noses and all this stuff in potions class and all these horrible things that happen to people and just you know oh okay well whatever you know eloise midgen apparently had her whole nose came off and you know stuff just happens it's just the way it is Third year, you get to the end. Every all the kids come home telling their parents how how Dumbledore had hired a known werewolf to be their teacher for a year. Right. And of course, <laughs> we all think he's awesome, but yeah, you can imagine where parents are going to go. Oh, well, what? <laughs> yeah. And, and not not to mention, from anybody's perspective, there was evidence that a known murderer was continually breaking into the castle. Yes, or trying to. Yeah, and th- so what did they do? Surrounded the place with dementors. Sure, we'll go to school there. Yeah. Not a problem. Anybody with half, half a brain is going to be afraid of Dementors. Except for apparently Cornelius Fudge. But, you know, it, it, and then and then don't even go into the danger area. Just go into the simple fact that is this school really teaching anything of value? I mean, aside from one particular area, that being magic use, it's not... I mean, what? Who? Whoever has taught these kids how to write, you know, essays? They're right off the bat. They're being expected to write these big long essays. Who? Who? Where? Where are they learning how to write? Now, if you got somebody like Harry, he went to Muggle school, you know, in elementary or whatever they call it in in Britain, the primary school or whatever. So he went to. So he will have learned some of that stuff there. But um, the Weasleys never learned that. Do you think Molly Weasley's teaching kids how to write essays? I can't quite picture that. I mean, they were homeschooled, but then there are other ones who who went to, you know, muggle schools and things like this. But anyway, you look at it, they hit, you know, 11 years old, which, let's face it, you're not anywhere near fully trained of anything at 11. No. And then you're suddenly expected to do all of this, you know, you're you're not learning anything. Now, we could, you could say, well, you don't have to learn science because, you know, the kind of science stuff that they do is like potions, which is not... You don't learn science, you learn magic. I mean, these two are kind of philosophically in two different camps. But, you know, what about math? Does the fact that Hagrid says that... That's the, an elective, arithmetic. <laughs> but, but, but you know what I mean? is that that's not math. That's right. not actual math. And you think, well, they don't need to know math because they have magic. And, and there's something to that, I guess. Except, sure, they need to know math. They have the most complicated currency system in the world. Right, but, but what does Hagrid says? Something like, oh, no problem, that's easy. Okay, yeah. if something that complicated is seven, just... Yeah. <laughs> but, but does that mean that for, for wizards, figuring out that there's like some automatic magical thing that just clicks in their brain and they just know it? So that right there is an interesting quote. It's like, it, to me, that suggests that there is something in a wizard's... Just like they, they, they can get hit in the head by an iron ball and it doesn't kill them or give them permanent brain damage. I think that suggests, anyway, to me, that the reason that they would not need to take mundane classes like math and so is because, well, number one, their culture is not built around math and science the way that ours is but number two that some of that stuff can just happen automatically they just have some sort of magical ability to 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 see that uh or to understand that because that's what it seems like if hagrid can figure it out easily you know it must not be must it would be hard for us but 
don't you think? I, I think there's definitely something to that. And, you know, you, you, your original, before, before we came up with any topics, you, one of the things you said you wanted to talk about is more about uh, the logistics of the wizarding world. Right. You know, where do they get all these, how, where are they publishing all these books from and all that stuff. Uh-huh. Right. And, where do they have enough people to do all that stuff? Right, and and so the, you know the you know the question comes back to me, and I think about it, and you know, it's like, there must be some like who taught these people to write, you know, who taught Rita to write novels? Right, you know, exactly, and and you know who. But then again, Rita you know, doesn't. Her quill does. Maybe that's a clue. That is an interesting clue. You know, because she just kind of talks, you know. And then the quill does all this flowery writing. So maybe that's kind of a clue as to some of this, is that as a wizard, you don't need to have the actual skills because you have magical things that do it for you. We've certainly seen lots of different magical kinds of quills in the books. You know, ones that are auto-answer quills and and, uh, anti-cheating quills and all this stuff, which certainly suggests that the quills themselves are doing a lot of the writing. I always assumed that... Yeah. Okay, sorry. Yeah, that's okay. Uh, I don't know. It's, It's, you know, like you said before, it's, you know, things she clearly didn't think through, but we, we have to make it work, so... You know, well, yeah, yeah. I think to some extent, she's like, well, it's, a, "It's a magic school, okay? They're learning magic. Who cares?" What you know? And I understand there is some some element of that too. It of like, I mean, there's okay. always a theory. It's like you only ever hear about you know six or seven classes. Maybe true. Maybe there's this whole period of time where where you know Harry's bored in in, uh, in his uh, in his uh, algebra two class. And, uh, <laughs> Well, they I think just said, you know what I'm not going to write about that. We'll just but but to be fair, I mean, even if they, I mean, it certainly seems like he only has the classes that are mentioned. But we don't we don't well, yeah, attend most of that classes with year. him. Yeah, but when we don't we don't attend those classes. Every one of those classes. I mean, who remember charms? They didn't cast their first charm spell for two months. Well, School started September one, and the first chance, the first spell they cast when Guardian Leviosa was on Halloween. Two months later. What did they do for two months? So they may have very well been... Yes. Does this say that's his first charm? Or just they were really looking forward to levitation? They were really looking forward to their first time they were actually going to be able to cast a spell. And that's two months. And so what did they do for two months? I always kind of just assume, well, they were learning the theory of magic. But there's a lot of things that they could have been learning in that class how to use your magical quills to write essays how to you know how to you know turn on that switch in your brain that lets you be able to understand math or whatever you know who knows what what could have been happening in that class plus all oh, the other classes as well there's a lot of things of training and learning and so of how to how to be a functional wizard in the wizarding world because we know they can't function very well in the muggle world, so a lot of the stuff that we would assume you have to know in order to function in our world, they clearly are not learning. But there's lots of opportunities for them to um, to learn in those classes. They're taking all those classes for months and months and months, and we only know a little tiny bit of what things that they actually 
learn. We we see a few examples of essays that they have to write and things like this, but very little actually of their classes it, do we know. And it could be it's like an ancillary thing. Like we always hear about him them having to write essays. We never once hear about the grading process of an essay. Right. It's true. Never once. They could be they're graded on grammar. It could you be. Know? Good lord. It could be it could be I'd every essay to... every essay they write, they have to go through two things. One they have to you know maybe there's even two professors who read it. Right? Maybe the reason all these classes are doing essays is because there's this kind of extra, not a class. There's this professor that we don't know whose job it is to go and make sure read everybody's... Essays? Yeah, read essays. Oh, God, I would shoot myself. <laughs> I've, had to, I've had to grade kids writing for years. Okay. Yeah, no, that, that's, that's, that could be tough. That's... That's... <laughs> <laughs> Just think about, can you imagine Snape grading all these essays on the uses of moonstones? I mean, <laughs> there must be some sort of magic that just grades these things for him. There's no way Snape is going to quietly and calmly read through, you know, 40 essays of, you know, 10 kids from each each uh, house. And that's just Harry's year. Right. You know, reading 40 essays about uses of Moonstone, I mean, he'd be pulling his greasy hair out in about 20 minutes. I know, because I've had to do stuff like that. I'm a teacher, and I know sometimes you just want to go, no! But, uh, so, but yeah, you're right. I mean, there's, the fact that they do stuff like that implies that they have learned how, even, you know... So, I don't know. I, I, I guess the point is that it's not, eh, Rowling was not writing it to be a fully fleshed out institution of education, you know, teaching kids everything they need to know to, yeah, she didn't write it that way. Just like I said, she wrote it, like you would just read it and enjoy the, the fun of this magical school. And we do. It's just like I said, when you actually read the book, you get lost in it in no time and you never think about that stuff, you know? Anyway. I'm going to correct you. It does not say it was his, their first charm. It just well, said, Professor Flitwick denounced in charms that he thought they were ready to start making objects fly, something they had been dying to try. It's They okay. were waiting for it. There was a specific spell. So I'm sure okay. they learned other smaller charms Little bitty stuff, that. sure. Yeah. Okay. Well. Okay. And and I will. I'll grant you that. But the point still remains that there's an awful lot that happens that yeah. we just don't know about, right. and that could have covered a lot of that stuff. Certainly. So. Mm-hmm. I and you know I'd love to have the you know the ancillary version of the books. It's like okay, Rowling, why don't you go rewrite the books from the perspective of the of the school's English teacher? Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, just as long as you know, would you please rewrite Philosopher's Stone and make it as thick as Order of the Phoenix, please? Yes. All that work. stuff that you had to cut out. You know? Maybe cer- maybe in the wizarding world, certain... Maybe ma- magic itself you have, to lo- you have to learn, but there's some sort of spell that teaches you other things. The kind of mundane, boring muggle stuff. Like, you can actually be... Like, they just wave a wand... On first day of... Of of the you know eleven year old day one they go in there and it's like all right I'm gonna tap your head with my wad and you're gonna know you're gonna know advanced calculus boom but done. see but but the point is that they have no need for advanced calculus okay algebra one but, then you need to have some 
But yeah, see, to me, algebra is more understanding how to think. Right. You know, just like geometry is also understanding how to think, and that's not a way that they need to think. In the same way that they don't need to understand simple machines if all they have to do is point their wand. But at least some of them do. Yeah. Because we hear that some of these wizards go and at least partially integrate themselves in Muggle society. Sure. So how are they going to function in Muggle society if they don't know the fundamentals? But but, But again, to us that's fundamentals. To them that would be Muggle studies. And so, you know... So, many, many, so they only teach algebra. Muggle studies class has the algebra. Has the algebra. right because that's if you if you want to learn to think the way a muggle thinks, well, yeah. then you're going to take muggle studies. If you want to know how to be able to make change in a in a grocery store, uh-huh. uh, then you then you got to take muggle studies. Okay, right because they're not going to bother teaching you that when your magical ability allows you to do whatever you got to do in Diagon Alley to ha- to handle the money. So okay, well, okay, we'll give, I'll give them that. Okay, so we're still going to loop back to the fact that going to Hogwarts is insane. It, it's absolutely a death trap, and and you do, and and people finally start not wanting to send their kids to Hogwarts. But, but it's not, only because of Harry. It's only because of Harry and Dumbledore. It's like right. no, right. it has nothing to do with the fact that I'm afraid to send my kids there. Is I don't want them hearing from this crackpot. Right, <laughs> as opposed to let's say you know, the fact that Umbridge is there, which to me would be the deal breaker. Holy, I mean. Why is there not a army of parents going up against the yeah. Ministry of Magic about Saying, she's torturing what? our kids? Yeah, this is literal torture. You know, well, I mean, it wasn't that long ago, apparently, when torture was allowed at Hogwarts. So, it's Filch, Filch still has the chains. Remember, that's right. So. They love to hang you from your from your toes or something yep. like that. Yeah. Okay. Well. I think we've we, we both agreed you have to be out of your mind to go to Hogwarts, and I think we also can probably both agree that we would go in a heartbeat if we were given the opportunity. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I would never send my kid there, but I no. would be there instantly. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't know. 11 years old. Oh, my gosh. You think about that. Think about Katie Bell, who got like hit. She's like got hit in the head by a bludger in her very first Quidditch game. She was 12. She's a tw- little 12-year-old girl. On a Smack on a broom, yeah. get hits and gets hit in the head by a bludger on her very first Quidditch game. You know, we we always see that first game through Harry's eyes and how nervous he was and everything. We forget the fact that Katie Bell that was her first game too. You yeah. know, and she's just this twelve year old kid that just got brained by a bludger, and apparently that's no problem either. Her parents sent her back year after year. But anyway, okay, well we better wrap this up. Uh, <laughs> um. Uh, before we do, uh, I, I want to just say a couple of things. First of all, uh, thanks to Harry and the Potters for the use of the music at the beginning at the end. We appreciate that very much. Um, make sure that you check out the Harry Potter lexicon if you haven't already. And in fact, that you're listening to this probably means you've checked out the lexicon at least once, probably more than once. But do check it out. Uh, the, uh, you'll find it at www.hp-lexicon.org. Look us up on social media. There's a Facebook page. Uh, Harry Potter Lexicon, uh, no spaces. And there's Twitter feed as well. You can uh, keep up on that. Um, before we go, I always like to kind of toss out some things that have caught our eye, things that have stuck in our brains as we looked uh, looked around and at the Potter world and universe. Um, I've got one, Nick. Uh, okay. You got one? Yeah, okay. I got one. Go for it. 
Oh, okay. Uh, mine is, I found out that there is, in London, is a free Harry Potter walking tour. It is free. And it is, uh, you can, uh, it's through Strawberry Tours, and you can, you don't have to, I mean, you can, obviously, they, they say, you know, pay what you think it's worth kind of a thing, but it is essentially free. And uh, if you go online, you can find out more about it. Go to strawberrytours.com, and uh, under their London tours, you're going to find a, Harry, a free Harry Potter tour. And I've looked at pictures and things like this. It doesn't go to all the places that I would like to go to because it's a walking tour. And so it's taking you right through the main, you know, central city stuff. So you go to the mm-hmm. place where they film the the uh, phone box right near uh, what they used for the Ministry of Magic. You're going to go to um, Charing Cross Road. You're going to go to uh, Cecil Court, which is everybody kind of thinks of as being um, Diagon Alley. And I also noticed, very cool, This is I, I don't see other tours do this. If you go down Cecil Court, which comes off Charing Cross Road, and it's wonderful. If, if uh, I wrote about it in my book, In Search of Harry Potter. But if you go past that, across St. Martin's, and go across, there's a little opening, uh, and there's a little kind of a nook back in there, which is like original 1600s style curved leaded glass windows all this stuff they call it nocturne alley and so that's really cool so if you if you go on that tour you're going to see some really really cool stuff so i would i would definitely uh recommend that i i've been on it so i guess i can't recommend it in that way but i would uh since it's free i mean what do you got to lose so if you go to london check into that strawberrytours.com and uh take a look at that i if i next time I get to london i'm going to go on that tour i think and go uh take a look around that looks like fun so that that is really cool that's it's interesting how they can so they say all their tours are free that's interesting well i mean and if i would go on it i would obviously of course, i would so pay would I. But, but i imagine there are a lot of people who wouldn't sure <laughs> and you know what if if uh, apparently it's working for them so yeah yeah that's neat so what do you got uh, so I, I put up a blog post on uh, on Monday about this. If I know you saw it because I asked you about it before I posted it. Yeah. Um, there is a... You're talking about the cauldron? I am talking about the cauldron. And so I wanted to go ahead and give it a plug here too because uh, they're three days into their Kickstarter campaign and they're starting to get worried uh, <laughs> because uh, you know they're not at three days worth percentage-wise. But... Uh-huh. Uh, so there is this uh, there's this guy. His name is Matt. And he is uh, or Matthew. He is started a Kickstarter campaign to create a pub and inn in London. Um, he won't say that it's inspired by the Leaky Cauldron, but it's named the Cauldron, and it's described like the Leaky Cauldron. So, you know. Uh, sure. In fact, he asked, he asked me to uh, edit my post to not say that it was inspired by the Leaky Cauldron. So, I oh, did. okay. I did. Uh, I took. I, I modified it, but it, basically, it's inspired by the Leaky Cauldron, or the Leaky Cauldron is one of his inspirations. Let's put it that way. Uh, sure. That seems that's fair. I don't think the well, lawyers are going after him for that. Right. But, well, I mean, he's he's. I can understand that. He can't say it's the Leaky Cauldron, obviously. That's a right. probably yeah. trademarked. And Certainly plus there is, you know, there's a real Leaky Cauldron in Orlando, so in and in Hollywood. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, uh so he what they're doing what's interesting about it, though is he's approaching it from the perspective of a uh of a startup, like a tech startup. 
you know, so he's he's going to have hackathons where he asks people to help him create the technology to make the magic of his place. Oh, cool! And yeah, so I I, I want to compete in that when it comes to San Francisco. Uh-huh. Uh, um, but you know he's gonna you know he's all th- th- things he's already come up with. He's got floating candles. Uh, he's uh, which he's using with a basically magnetic suspension floating candle, oh, sure. lit, lit candles. Uh-huh. Uh, he has is using RFID in wands to actually control the spigots. So when you go and put you know you mean thing, like for the beer for the beer yes you put to the thing over the <laughs> beer and you just tap you tap the the spigot and then it, it, it pours out and then you know so. Uh, they're going to put uh, LCD screens on in picture frames all around all the walls. Oh, okay, sure. For have moving pictures, and because they're doing it as a Kickstarter campaign and their awards, one of the rewards and the one I really wanted, and so I paid for it and got it, is you can be film a little video for to be one of those pictures. Oh, how cool is that? So, you know, assuming awesome. this that he gets his, his campaign, assuming he gets the project backed, you know, uh-huh. at some point, you if you went to this pub and you sat down and you watched, you know, if you, at some point, I'm going to walk onto one of the, into one of the picture frames, do something and walk out and Barbara will walk onto another picture frame and walk out. And, uh, you know, it's... And you know your, our names will be written in permanent ink on the uh, on the ceiling, and there'll be a coded way to find it. I mean, there's all these all these things. So, um, you know, obviously we want you to back us, but another cool idea if you want to back just something that's really cool, consider backing the Cauldron. Yeah, um, definitely. You go, go to the the Cauldron.io, and then right there on the top it says back this project now, and you can see all the different rewards that they've got. They're currently. Uh, they're three days in. They have twenty-five days left to go, and they're at thirty-four thousand out of uh, uh, five hundred thousand. Is what they set their goal to be. Oh wow! Okay. Um, and like all Kickstarters, it's an all-or-nothing thing. So you know, I pledged money, but if they don't get to five hundred thousand by the end, they're not going to take my money. So oh, okay. I, oh okay. So what have you got to lose? Right. You know. Um, so. Uh, that's the way Kickstarter works. It's an interesting mechanism, but yeah. yeah it so, I it's really cool. I've I've read his things. His podcast, by the way, is really entertaining. He makes he did a podcast. He's got an episode up, and he he has ads in his podcast, but they're not real. Okay. So he has he like he breaks his podcast is only nineteen minutes, but he has three commercial breaks, and they're commercial breaks for random, you know. Things, I mean, it's 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 right out of you know Madame Scour's magical mess remover type stuff ads that you uh-huh. saw at the Quidditch World Cup. Although it's not that he he made up sure. his own things. Um, so, okay, well, yeah. um, did you put a link to that? Did you put a link to that podcast in the in your post? I didn't put a link to the podcast, but uh, there is it is on his on the website. Oh, okay. So website. if you go to cauldron.io, you can see it. Yeah, the cauldron.io. Yep. Okay. The cauldron.io. Okay. And, oh, uh, that's really cool. Yeah. So that's what that's what struck me. Um, I really hope it succeeds. Um, yeah. It does, so there's basically two really good reasons to go to London, right exactly. there. Exactly. We go to London. We'll have we'll have dinner in the Cauldron, and then we'll go uh-huh. on a free, on a free tour. Sounds like free a free tour. Point. Yeah. <laughs> it's all set. It's We're all going. set. Well, that's obviously. all. Obviously, <laughs> uh, we have to go to we have to go to London now. 
Yes, uh, well, you know, I would love to and, go back to London. And then too. I want to go to London with you and then go on your tour, the tour from... I from, will take uh, you, yes, because... Ours will not be just a walking tour. We're going to take the underground, and I'm going to take you to King's Cross. And although yes. it looks different than it used to, they've they've moved the platform nine and three quarters. I wonder whether platforms nine and ten still look like what they what they did. You know, mm. because you in the books it does not say that there's a brick wall. It says there's a metal yeah, there's, there's barrier. There's no brick wall. And so in the books it's a metal barrier, and between platforms nine and ten there is in fact a metal barrier. So, or at least there was. Yes, I don't know. I haven't been there yeah. lately, but I'd like to go check it out. Anyway, I suppose we better hang this up for tonight. Uh, don't forget, uh, you can support the Lexicon a uh, number of different ways. Click on that uh, uh, little down arrow right up next to the words, the Harry Potter Lexicon, up in the left-hand corner of any of the website pages. Um, I think that about wraps it up for now. Am I forgetting anything, Nick? Uh, I don't think so. All right. Well, then, this is Steve Vanderark of the Harry Potter Lexicon. And this is Nick Moline. Tech wizard? <laughs> well, you didn't Thanks. say what your position was. You said you're of the Harry Potter lexicon, so I just That's said true. I'm All right, let's Moline, okay. also of the Harry Potter lexicon. Also of the Harry Potter lexicon. <laughs> Very good. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. Take care. Bye.